what would you do if you are witnessing the eradication or the total destruction of your culture or of your city? And that's what I have been experiencing lately. And my only answer is music. and I'm Hazel Kahn. It gives me great pleasure today that I can introduce you to my guest, composer and pianist Malik Jandali, who is speaking to us on Skype from New York City. Welcome to Tidings and to WPKN, Malik. My pleasure. Welcome to you and to your audience. Thank you. I know you're a very busy man, and so I do really appreciate and am honored that you were able to take time. But I am eager today to hear you talk about what I've sort of labeled as three dimensions of who you are. I don't know if that's how you think about it, and I'm sure there are lots more dimensions, and maybe those can wait for the next conversation we might have. So, Malak, you are a musician with what has been described as a diverse repertoire and career. You are also an active humanitarian, recipient of global awards, the Global Music Humanitarian Award, and been honored by the Carnegie Corporation New York as a great immigrant. What a wonderful thing that is. You're the founder also of Pianos for Peace, and you have founded an international piano competition in your name. And I was very impressed that you also had been selected by the BBC to be a panelist on the those Doha debates, which I've actually watched. So that's a lot, Malik. And then also on top of that, you're a Syrian, Syrian-American. Could we talk about that first? Could you talk about what it means to you to be Syrian? Absolutely. Thank you so much for your generous introduction and for your kind words. In a simple term, I'm just an artist searching for beauty and truth. And, you know, the beauty of music unites people. And it has this soft power where we can transcend through space, time, geography, all the boundaries and even geopolitics where we are all united uh, in peace. So from that perspective, I see myself as a human and as an artist just doing my duty in my musical journey to search for simply beauty and truth. You know, um, my major inspiration is Rumi. And uh, he said, let the beauty of what you love be what you do. It's a simple and profound quote, but it's sometimes very challenging to implement in your daily life. So to me, music is the answer. Art is the way. The only way is to have a symphony for peace. And that's why 
I have the pianos for peace and I embrace young talents in my piano competition, like you said. Every year at Carnegie Hall, I give the next generation of artists the opportunity to perform at Carnegie Hall. And I urge them to um, search for their cultural identity. Two pieces are required in my competition. One from a composer from your national origin. And the second piece, of course, by me. We had the Chinese-American composer this year. Last year, we had uh, one of the winners who were Tunisian and the Korean. What are the ages of these competitors? Up to 18. Sometimes it's not fair when you have like a seven-year-old competing with a 17-year-old. So I'm <laughs> actually urging to have categories, but we're just going to keep it up to 18 years of age. So this is every year you have this? Yes, yes. This has been our annual international piano competition, and it's all done online. People memorize the pieces and record them on a video and then send them to us for our judging panel. When was the last one, the, the most recent one? Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we actually had the awards ceremony at my Carnegie Hall concert. Talk about that. Every year, uh, I release one of my symphonic works or albums at Carnegie Hall in my annual Carnegie Hall concert. And I invite the young talent winners of my competition, of my international youth piano competition, to open the concert. So I give them that opportunity to come and the chance to perform at Carnegie Hall. We had a total of five winners, including two honorable mentions. And that's what we do every year. So a couple of weeks ago at Carnegie Hall, I uh, released my newest album with the Zagreb Philharmonic Orchestra. Through the two symphonies, one is called Luminosity, my chamber symphony, and my latest symphony is called Herayeth. Herayeth, you know, it's an untranslatable Welsh word that means longing to your homeland that you cannot return to or never existed. So I commissioned Craig Allen, international American artist, to paint a special painting for the cover album. Mm. And we recorded it at the American Academy for Arts and Letters last year, and we just released the album on February the 4th. So in a nutshell, what we do, we have a true symphony. We, we come together, we sing together. You know, the term symphonia in Latin is to sing together. I, I like to actually get rid of the barriers between the stage and the audience and try to unite through music. And uh, everybody actually left the concert hall having a copy of my newest mm. album. When you say you want to get rid of the border between the, the stage and the audience the, the audience sings as well believe it or not they do uh, in my encore piece they clap last year when we had a very familiar ancient syrian melody we had students from rutgers and fordham universities singing and that's what i try to do in my pianos for peace project when i take pianos usually brown or black pianos i paint them through uh, artists homeless people students international artists and then display them in one of the largest public art displays for everyone and anyone to enjoy. Usually the piano is on stage, you cannot touch it. Only the pianist can play the piano. And what I try to do, I try to make the arts accessible to all, to everyone, and bring it back to schools when you have budget cuts in, in the endowments or maybe eliminating it altogether. <laughs> so after the two-week art display every September, we actually take all these pianos and we donate them to Title I schools, nursing homes, autistic centers. That way we bring the art back to those communities that haven't experienced art lately. Pianos for Peace is the organization. It's a nonprofit. 
And our slogan is building peace through music and education. You get these pianos. I mean, you buy them or they're donated? Yeah, donated, uh, bought through wholesalers. The majority are donated from generous individuals and uh, sometimes organizations from different sources. You know, the real impact is actually when you are involving artists throughout our year-round community programs. We involve and engage all these artists to volunteer their time and experience the soft power of music. You know, music is not just entertainment. It's, it has so much more power to change. I, I truly believe, you know, music changes people and people change the world. That's what we try to do through Pianos for Peace, through uh, my compositions in my orchestral works, and then also through my piano international competition. I consider myself a, a musician with a mission or on a mission, and my mission is unity, peace, harmony. It's the fundamental definition of the arts, searching for beauty and truth to the creator, to our fundamental values, humanitarian values, which are common to our American values, to our Syrian values, to our own religion values. You know, at the end of the day, we are all humans seeking peace and justice and freedom and equality. It's my duty, you know, to, to preserve my culture and my identities through my symphonic works and through my Pianos for Peace project. For example, if my latest album, Hiraeth, the core fundamental mission of Hiraeth is to preserve and keep the music of Aleppo alive. I'm going to ask you and the audience, what would you do if you are witnessing the eradication or the total destruction of your culture or of your city? And that's what I have been experiencing lately, and my only answer is music. The beauty of the culture of Aleppo, where you have one of the oldest synagogues in the world, the Silk Road passes through Aleppo, Jean the Baptist's son, Zakaria, is buried in the Umayyad Mosque in Aleppo, which has been totally destroyed. So the only thing left is either silence or where a musician or a composer comes and tries to paint on that silence to keep the music that unites all cultures, all religions, all people, unite them in peace. For example, if you walk in Aleppo, you will hear a melody, an ancient Syrian melody, in the synagogue, where we have Jewish lyrics to that Syrian ancient tune, probably like a thousand years old. Can you sing it for us? We can include it in our interview. It's, it's based on my piano's okay. theme and variations, which is in my Syrian symphony album uh, recorded with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra in London.
So that melody, you can hear it with Hebrew lyrics in the synagogue, and then you walk not even a street away, maybe a block, and you can hear it in Aramaic or Assyrian in a church where the Christians will have lyrics. And then you can hear it in the mosque, believe it or not, for a religious ceremony. And then you will hear it in the public transportation, like in the bus or, you know, in a little uh, cafe. So people might put different lyrics, different stories and different purposes. But what unites all of them as a vivid example that I experienced all my life is the tune, the music, the, the melody. Mm-hmm. Malik Chandali, Syrian-American composer, pianist and humanitarian activist, is talking about his work and his activism. The music is taken from Chandali's Variations for Piano and Orchestra. This is Tidings on WPKN Radio. Very, it's very, that's very beautiful that, that it can harmonize with anything. You know, you keep reading, you know, oh, music unites people and all that stuff, and it becomes a cliche. But when you actually hear the same melody in different religious institutions and different contests and different times and space, and it's the same melody, mm. that's very unique. That's really the hope that I have. And this is what inspires me the most is music is the solution because it unites people and it has been for thousands of years. <laughs> yeah. So did you actually grow up in Aleppo? No, I did. I, I, I was born in Germany. I grew up in, in Syria until I was 18. And oh. then I came to this beautiful country on a full scholarship. But believe it or not, my last concert in Syria was a fundraising for Save the Children in Aleppo. When I, was that, Malik? That was, I believe, in 2010. I remember vividly, you know, walking in the old city of Aleppo and experiencing what I just told you about the same melody in different places and different times. It's it's beautiful. And do the kids in school, do they hear it too or they know it? They don't learn it, presumably. It's there in the air, right? Yeah, you know, know, the beauty of it is like everybody knows that melody and every culture or religion or or group try to claim it in their own uh, lyrics. So there's always that correlation between language, poetry and music. When you speak Hebrew and you put Hebrew li- lyrics into it, you know, they say, oh, boy, this is a Jewish hymn. Mm. And then you go to the, the church and the, you, you have Aramaic or uh, Syriac or uh, any other language and say, oh, you know, this is our hymn. <laughs> you know, mm. at the end of the day, the common denominator is the music. It's the same mm. melody. So when you went in 2010, the old city was still intact Correct. in Aleppo? Mm. Yes, it was still intact. Sadly speaking, it has been destroyed. Mm-hmm. To me, this is a crime against all humanity. Mm-hmm. And from that perspective, all humanity should unite to stop that war. My ancestors in Ugarit invented not only the alphabet, that's 1400 BC, they also invented the alphabet of music, the, the music notation, believe it or not. The Western world actually developed it, but you know, the invention of the musical notation was in Ugarit, Syria. One of my albums is called Echoes from Ugarit. That civilization, 1400 BC, 3000 years ago, they were so free and innovative, they changed the course of mankind from oral preservation into writing. And therefore, now we can read scripts, for example, the Dead Sea Scrolls or ancient history books. And same thing for music. They invented the alphabet of music so it can be preserved and presented for generations to come. They did not invent the alphabets just for the people of Mesopotamia. They invented it to humanity, and they changed the course of mankind. What breaks my heart is 
as I'm speaking to you right now, that same civilization, these ancient synagogues and churches and mosques and monuments and the Silk Road, not to count the babies that are drowning and the people who are suffering all kinds of it's a Holocaust. What we are witnessing, I don't call them refugees or immigrants. I call them Holocaust survivors. So while I'm speaking to you right now, we are actually witnessing this Holocaust. And it's my duty to do whatever I can to spread peace and give this little baby. I have the story about a Syrian child on an operating room. And that child was basically suffering and dying from the wounds of injustice. The last thing he said to the doctors, I'm going to tell God everything. And he passed away. In my Phoenix in Exile, it was just actually premiered a few days ago with the uh, South Dakota Symphony Orchestra. And I would like to send a special thank you through your program to Maestro David Geyer for embracing our common values and featuring and premiering the Phoenix in Exile. In South Dakota. Yeah, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. <laughs> I met the kindest, most generous people. This is the heart of America. I called for a professional photographer and then he attended the concert and he refused to take any fees. He said, this is my duty. And it's just amazing. And the musicians, the orchestra, the, the music director, the entire vibe there it has been really an honor. And it was my first time to visit that amazing state. So what I'm trying to do is to keep the sense of humanity in the midst of this destruction and this uh, distortion of our common values, which is very difficult to do because usually the composer needs some time or the artist needs some time to contemplate and analyze and then create. But to do it simultaneously while crime is being committed, you know, for example, the Schindler's List movie and the beautiful mm -hmm. music, that Ishak Berman performed. This took a couple of decades after the Holocaust to create and to express. To do it simultaneously, it's a challenge, especially when you have an agreed upon silence. Talk about what you mean by agreed upon silence. <laughs> you know, with my humble analysis, I sense that there's an agreed upon silence mm -hmm. to cover up this Holocaust that is being committed as I speak to you. And the only way to break that silence is art and our conversation. I thank you for joining my journey to search for beauty and truth through your journalism and through your courage, because it has been extremely difficult to give these voiceless babies. I don't even call them children anymore because children wasn't effective anymore. I had my international tour. I called it the voice of the free Syrian children. We went to the concert house in Vienna, the National Auditorium in Madrid, where the Queen of Spain attended, the Berman Performing Arts Center in Detroit, which is part of the Jewish Community Center. For some reason, when we call humans that are escaping this Holocaust migrants, we have a problem. Because when I open the English dictionary and I look up the definition of the word migrant, and I did it, I was actually invited to Oxford to do a panel discussion about migrants and their effect on Europe. And prior to my panel discussion, I said to myself, you know what, this word migrant, I, I haven't heard. I, I heard like immigrants, refugees, Holocaust survivors, but I haven't heard migrants lately. So I opened the dictionary, number one, Hazel, for the word migrant. An animal migrating. Number two, a seasonal worker looking for a job. 
So I told my fellow panelists and the audience, I'm since I'm a Syrian here on, on this panel, would you please not call babies drowning in the Mediterranean animals or birds, nor workers seeking seasonal jobs. Those are Holocaust survivors. And please don't use the word migrant in this discussion, <laughs> which was very difficult to do because the whole this panel discussion and the theme was migrants. So the moral of the story, we have to be very careful of our terminology. And Absolutely, yeah. The migrants are not fleeing. Migration is a fairly orderly kind of thing, right? Birds migrate along the pathways that they always migrate on. But refugees are fleeing. They're in flight from some form of devastation, whether it's human or natural. Natural disaster, yeah. 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 You know, the most effective one would be the Holocaust survivors, because, you know, when you have babies being gassed to death, you know, and then the family decides to go into a rubber boat and flee the country because they want to be peaceful and they want to just run away. This is basically the Holocaust survivors of our century. Something that I have followed very closely, as closely as as I can bear to, because uh, it is unbelievably painful to see these rubber boats crammed with people and you know that in each of them some proportion have drowned. So they're on land, but then the trauma just continues. It's a different kind of trauma. Again, they are dispossessed. I don't know what the communication is that they still keep coming. There must be stories going back saying, don't come because it's very dangerous, you're going to drown, and still they come. I guess that's human hope. Hope always lives on somehow. No, I mean, they're escaping the Holocaust. I mean, you just want to run away for your life and the sea is one of the escapes and that has been really one of my sources of inspiration because one time I was in the middle of the night in the middle of almost nowhere and I saw a group of kids singing to themselves so music is really soothing you know it has this uh, amazing power to heal you know nobody asked them to sing Mm. There wasn't a concert going on. It was pitch dark in the middle of nowhere. I always remember that scene and remind myself the only reason we dance is because of music. People who uh, pray, different religions use music to actually enhance the connection with the creator. And it takes always human beings to recreate the music that has been composed. So you're always experiencing the birth of that expression of art right there. As it's happening, but also, Malik, I would suggest you also take it with you when you leave. To me, this is amazing. Every time you go to a concert, you experience the creation of that music, bringing it to life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the only way to experience it is to bring it to life, because, you know, the score doesn't mean anything to anyone. But in a symphony orchestra, when we are all performing Herayath or Shostakovich, you know, Leningrad Symphony, We are all working towards a higher goal, which is bringing that human expression to life at that moment for a higher purpose. And that's really the literal meaning of symphonia that I'm trying to express, which is singing together, together in every sense of the world. In the Bedouin tribes, you know, in in the Saharas or in Mm -hmm. the... Palestine, yeah. Palestine, Syria, Tunisia, wherever it is. We actually call musicians musicians. Because, you know, there's magic Mm. when you're a musician performing. There's always this correlation between musicians and musicians. 
So this interview actually took a very different form than I thought it would, and I'm very glad that it did. I'd never talked to you before, but you kind of answered everything, even though I never really asked the questions. Yeah, we're just having a musical conversation. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. So thank you very much, Malik. I'm very glad to have made contact with you, and I'd like to sort of follow you a little bit uh, online. You know, maybe I can come to a concert of yours Absolutely, absolutely. Let's keep the friendship yeah. going. I have you in one of my upcoming concerts. I have a couple of premieres coming up with major orchestras, and I have next year Carnegie Hall concert will be February 3rd. Between now and then, I have a fundraising concert for the Holocaust Museum in Montreal. I'm working on my Australia tour. My website is basically my name, malikjandali.com, M-A-L-E-K. J-A-N-D, like in David, A-L-I.com, malikjandali.com. And the Pianos for Peace is pianosforpeace.org. Very good. Thank you, Malik. We'll, we'll be in touch. Likewise. Salam, peace, shalom. And inshallah. <laughs> Thank you. That was composer and pianist Malik Jandali talking about his work and humanitarian activism. The program's music was taken from Jandali's Variations for Piano and Orchestra. Tidings is heard on the second Wednesday of the month at 7.30pm. Earlier programs are archived as podcasts on hazelkhan.com and produced by Tony Ernst.